0: Hey New Life Church, welcome on to our online service today. I'm really glad that you're joining here with us today. Maybe you're in your living room or watching on your phone or maybe you're viewing in from the lake. It's Memorial Day weekend after all and it's going to be a good service. We're about to hear from Aaron Cruzy from our Conway location. He's going to be talking about how to handle offense as a believer. And because here's the truth, we've, we've all been offended by something before. In fact, to go ahead and get the chat started, let us know one thing that gets under your skin. Like what is your biggest pet peeve? For me, it's whenever somebody's driving too slow in the left-hand lane. I mean, come on, man, that's the passing lane. So if you're not passing anybody, go to the right-hand lane. That gets under my skin. Tell us what gets under yours. Uh, today, Cruzy's gonna let us know how to get past that. And uh, honestly, how to handle offense as a believer. But this is what I wanna do, before we get started, uh, I wanna go ahead and honor those who have lost their lives paying the ultimate sacrifice by serving our country. It's Memorial Day after all, and I also know another piece of that, people who have paid a big sacrifice are the family members of those who have lost a loved one serving our nation. So let's pray together before we get started. Dear God, first off, we just thank you so much for being present with us, oh God. I know what it says in the word that when two or three gather gather together, Lord, your, your presence is with us. And so I pray that Lord you would go before us and speak to us today. God, I just wanna thank you so much, Lord, for those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice by serving our nation, God. Those in the armed forces, Lord, all branches of the military, Um, God, those who have protected our nation by being firefighters and God, police officers as well. We're just so thankful, Lord, for how they have um, basically, Lord, given up their lives to protect us. And I'm thankful for the family members as well who have paid a large sacrifice by letting them go serve and God, those who have also lost their lives. So, Lord, we wanna lift you up today. We wanna lift up those families, and God, we just know good and well that we never forget what they have done for us. So, Lord, we love you. Be with us in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's worship.
1: Church, This is going to be a great day. I have Aaron Cruzy, who's over all of our campuses, but every time I'm in a meeting and he starts talking, I want to grab something to take notes with, because this brother is sharp. So today, I've asked him to speak on how to never be offended, and he's a perfect person to do it, because this brother, you can't move him. He's strong. So would you please welcome with me my friend, Aaron Cruzy? Good morning, New Life Church. My name is Aaron Kruse, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, And my wife Angela and I, we love what we get to do here at the church alongside the campus development team. Uh, We are so thankful for Pastor Rick and Michelle, the way they lead our church the way they lead our staff, um, we're we're just so grateful for them. Um, Angela and I, we actually moved here a little over 12 years ago to be on staff here at New Life Church. And I really, I think of the song, New Wine, when I think about our story, because it says, we came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Because when we got here, we were young. We were just starting in ministry, we had no kids, we had not a lot of anything. And yet through our time here, God has been so faithful, so faithful to give us opportunities, so faithful to to give us children. We have four kids now, six and under. Uh, Our oldest, Malachi, is six. Um, Augustine is our second born. He's four. Evelyn is two. And we just had Obadiah in April. And and it's been such an incredible journey. Um, And for us, I have to brag on my wife because... Truly in ministry, I couldn't do what I do without how faithful she is. She, she's responded so well to taking on this fourth child and just the responsibility of it and the work of it. And so I just, I'm so thankful for her, I have to brag on her. And to give some context for us, both of our families live more than 10 hours away. So over the last several years of us living here, the church has been like family to us. In fact, our meal train has been incredible. The last few weeks, so many of you have showed up to help our family to bring us food, to help take care of us. It's been so incredible that Augustine, my second born, uh, asked us the other night, he said, so who's bringing us dinner tonight? And I had to respond with, well, you know, meal trains don't last forever, and he didn't understand why. His question is, well, why not? I think we would all love that if we had a meal train every night, but that's not exactly how it works. Uh, So today, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to jump into the topic of, of offense because I believe that God's word has a lot to say about it. I believe that the enemy would want to use this topic to take out many of us as believers. But um, to be clear for me personally, this is an area that can be challenging. This is an area that that as we dig into, I'll share with you why this, is, this can be a struggle for me as well as I'm sure it can be for you. And whether we like it or not, our culture has shifted a lot over the last year in many ways, and, and, and one of the areas is in this area. I feel like for the first time for some reason in history, that being offended is being held up as a noble virtue. That he who is most easily offended is, is now celebrated by the world around us. Um, a recent study of, of more than 13,000 ab- adults here in America found that 81% of Americans say that people are too easily offended these days. And that only a third say that they are politically correct, whatever that means. And yet somehow it seems that we hold up those that are easily offended as the standard, as, as those that we look to. Um, The definition of offended is as follows, resentful or annoyed, typically as the result of a perceived insult. Take note of that word perceived because it is an important part of this conversation. Uh, The definition of to take offense is as follows, to become angry or upset by something that another person has said or done, to be offended by something. I I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed personally even over the last year that it does seem that it has been easier to be offended, to take offense at what someone says or what they do or potentially even what they don't say or what they don't do. Just recently I had a scenario where I was the one who had caused offense. I was the one who was in the wrong. Um, We had a situation where someone was trying to get a hold of me and they had a sense of urgency. They They had an urgent need. And I misread it. I misread the communication, the text messages, the phone calls. And I gave them a valid reason to be frustrated. Um, and what's crazy is I was I was moving fast enough through life that even when I talked with them on the phone later that afternoon that I didn't realize that I missed it. I still missed that there was an offense there. Um, and it took a friend of mine who knows both of us well, calling me, uh, who cared enough about me and about this other individual to make sure that that I was aware that I had done some harm, that I had that I had created some offense. But what's interesting is that my heart's first response was not humility, my first response was to be offended, was to be frustrated that that person felt that way about me. So the Holy Spirit had to check me in that moment to make me realize that, that I was ultimately the one in the wrong, I was the one who had missed it. And so I'm so thankful for that because I was able to make a phone call to ask for forgiveness to repent and to work through it to where our relationship now can be restored. But it's interesting because usually offense tends to create more offense. It usually creates more situations where more harm can be done. But I'm thankful because God's word has a lot to say about this. In fact, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up to cause trouble and defile many. The result of offense always leads to bitterness if it it, it goes unchecked, if it doesn't get dealt with. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced this bitterness. So today we're going to dive into this. Let's take a moment and pray and then we'll get into the word. God, we love you. We're thankful. Would our hearts be open to what you want to speak to us today? Would you give us revelation? If this, if this is an area that we need to work on, an area we need to invite you into, would you show us what it is? Um, Lord, we just pray that your word would come alive in us and change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have to give this disclaimer before we, before we really jump in, and I want to say this. There are some of you who have walked through incredibly difficult things situations, scenarios, battles that I can't begin to fathom, things that, things that I haven't experienced and I, and I know that to be true. So I want you to know this, nothing about this message and nothing about God's word will downplay what you've experienced. Nothing about it will say, ah, it's no big deal, move on. That's not the case at all. Instead, the Lord would want to meet you in your struggle, in your battle in your hurt, whatever it is you've walked through, and he wants to bring comfort, restoration, and healing to you. But what this study is designed to do is to help us establish that taking offense is always gonna feel like the easy route. It's always gonna feel justified. But that is not what Jesus would want for us as his followers because he desires that we would experience the life to the full that he's made us for. So today we're going to look at two very specific Bible characters who I believe help us to walk this up, help us to learn in this area. The first is we're going to take some time and we're going to study the life of Joseph um, because it it definitely applies. And then at the end we'll take a little time and we're going to study the life of John the Baptist. Um, But the first point is this, being offended, as I mentioned before, it always creates more offense. In the word, if anyone had a right to walk in offense, it's Joseph. Uh, Some of us know his story, um, but we're going to take some time to dig into the high points this morning. If if you'll turn to Genesis 37, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, Genesis 37, uh, verse 2 through 8 says this, "Uh, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. I'll pause there. First of all, if you have siblings, you know that bringing a bad report about your siblings is probably a good way to cause some offense. Um, now Israel, who's the father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate road for him. Think coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it his brothers said to him do you intend to reign over us will you actually rule us and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said joseph's brothers are truly a case study on the subtlety and the danger of offense of what happens in our lives when we allow it to take root and when we allow it to begin to direct who we are and what we do they were clearly offended It says that they hated him because their father loved him more. It started out as jealousy, it started out as envy, as rivalry, as comparison. But those things over time gave root to offense which led to that bitterness. And and as you all know and and may have experienced, bitterness creates real pain. It hurts. And and speaking of pain, uh, recently my, my little boy, my second born, Augustine, he was getting ready for bed. We were in the middle of the nighttime routine, and and for any of you with, with kids, kind of young kids, six or eight and younger, you know the nighttime routine is always an adventure. You're you're tracking down random lost toys, you're getting 14 drinks of water, you're tucking them in uh, 37 times, mind you, uh, and then you look up and they're back on the stairs somehow after the 37th time. This is the nighttime routine. We're in the midst of that, and in that process, Augie lets me know, hey daddy, my neck is really hurting. My neck hurts bad. And if you know my son, the, the, the appropriate question is, okay, buddy, so why is your neck hurting? And he thought about it for a second, and his response was, well, I haven't had cake in a while. So I said, well, that's probably it. You know, I know for me, when I, when I put aside the cake, bad things happen in my life too. Um, and so pain, and, and as I mentioned before, offense always creates more offense in the people around you. It creates pain in the people around you who, whose lives that you're connected to. And that's just what happens in Joseph's family. In Genesis 37, 19 through 20, we pick it back up. It says, here's the brothers. They say, here comes that dreamer. They're out in the field. They're watching sheep. Joseph is coming up to them. They say to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. It goes on to say, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So I don't know about you, but that level of betrayal would absolutely cause me to walk in offense. literally sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood. If there's anyone in his life who should protect him, defend him, and look out for his best, it's his family. And yet they literally sell him into slavery. And and yet somehow, as we begin to dig in his story, we realize that Joseph manages to keep his heart pure, manages to, to stay in step with the Lord. And and many years ago, I, I was on a mission trip. I went on a, a short-term trip with about 15 other young people. We went to the country of Malaysia, and, and anytime you go to a location that you haven't been before, and you're working with contacts you don't have a relationship with, there's there's some level of unknown involved. There's some level of risk, and that's, that's part of why here at, at, at New Life, when we take short-term trips, we work with long-term relationships. We work with local churches we have deep connection with, we have deep trust with. But in this scenario, this was long before I was at New Life. And so we, we show up to work with the, these contacts in Malaysia and immediately we knew something was wrong. Because within the first 24 hours, just the way that they engaged with us, the way that they treated us, it wasn't good. They were rude, they were disrespectful, they were unwilling to give clear communication, um, they spoke poorly of us, they didn't help us find accommodation the way that they had promised to do. And, and, and it's in these type of moments, we didn't know their story. We didn't know the context, but we knew something was off because we were not being treated well. And in that moment, especially at the beginning of the trip, we had a choice to make. First of all, we're young, we're zealous, but we have a choice to make. Are we gonna take offense? Are we gonna be frustrated because we've literally saved and raised money and traveled around the world to come and serve them, to help them fulfill the mission and the calling that's on their lives. Like we've, we've given up a lot to be there. So are we gonna take offense? that they're not receiving us well, or they're not treating us well, or are we gonna make a decision to care deeply for them regardless of how they treat us? Are we gonna eat what's set before us with glad and sincere hearts? Are we gonna work our tails off to do anything they ask us to do? Are we gonna engage with their people and love them well and serve them well? And so we took the time as a team, we prayed and we made that decision. We're gonna do everything we can to just love them regardless of how they treat us. And what was interesting was over the course of 10 to 12 days as we were with those contacts, that day by day, they started to warm up. We started to connect with them. They started to treat us better. We started to build relationship and build trust. And what was really interesting is that on the the final day of the trip, they began to really open up. And they shared with us that a little over a year before, that they had had a short-term team in that had absolutely blown it. That team had been disrespectful. That team had been rude. They were unwilling to work. They were unwilling to eat any of the food that they were served. In fact, on the last day of the trip, they almost burned down the pastor's house. And after that trip, these contacts who were doing ministry in Malaysia, they had basically just written off short-term missions. Because of their experience, they were offended. They said, listen, short-term missions doesn't work. It does more harm than good. We're done. We're not gonna do it anymore. But because of the leadership of the team, the people that were responsible for leading our team, coaching us and training us, and helping us respond with grace, it opened up their eyes to see that, okay, short-term missions is still, it does still work. We can still work with other people around the world who love God to come in and preach the gospel, to come in and move forward the vision of what we're called to. And so there was a lot of redemption. So for me as a young believer, that was a really pivotal moment of seeing like how we respond to people will either create peace or it will create offense that we have a choice when we're mistreated on how we will respond and you guys joseph had many opportunities like this and we next catch up with him he's now he's a slave in the household of potiphar so we pick up the story in genesis 39 2-4 through four. It says this, it says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. He entrusted to his care everything he owned. So clearly in that moment, Even though he's in slavery, Joseph has responded well in a way that he can continue to be faithful. He can continue to win influence. He keeps his heart clean. But what's crazy is the story isn't over. So even in Potiphar's house as he serves faithfully, what happens is eventually Potiphar's wife makes an accusation against him. It's not true. But because of that accusation, he ends up being thrown in prison. So now all of a sudden, once again, Joseph has the opportunity to be a victim. He has the opportunity to take offense and feel sorry for himself or to give up but he doesn't. In fact, a few verses later, the same result happens in prison that happened in Potiphar's house. In Genesis 39, 20 through 23, it says this, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So Joseph put, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And so through his place in prison, God has put him in a position to now get proximity with members of Pharaoh's staff. And because of that proximity, Joseph is then given the opportunity to interpret a dream for Pharaoh, which then gives him the opportunity to give Pharaoh a plan to respond to a a national emergency that's about to happen over the next couple of years. Literally, Joseph's actions, his faithfulness through being a slave, being in prison lead him to the opportunity to to put together a plan that saves not only his family down the road, but all of the people of Egypt and even the other nations in that region. So he, he literally ends up getting to save many lives and, and we know that because later on it says this. It says in Genesis 50, 19 through 21. This is Joseph talking to his brothers uh, after many other years. It says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kind words to him. He said these words, am I in the place of God? That statement is so powerful because he trusted God to order his footsteps even when life didn't go the way that he planned it. Joseph knew from the beginning, and this is the thing I think I would challenge myself and all of us with. He He knew from the beginning that this journey he was on was of the Lord's design. God was up to something from the beginning and Joseph knew it. Just because he had opportunities to be offended and just because we have opportunities to be offended doesn't mean we're outside of God's will. Sometimes we're right in the middle of it and we have a choice to make on how we're going to steward that moment. And and this brings us to point two: that either God is going to be my defender or I am going to be my defender. We have a choice to make often multiple times a day, each and every day, who's gonna sit in that position? Will I allow God to sit in that position of defending me or will I do it? Jeremiah 51, 36 says this, this is what the Lord says to Jerusalem, I will be your lawyer and plead your case, I will avenge you. And Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So recently, Angela was in the process of having a discipline conversation with Augustine. You, you may be noticing I bring him up often. This young man is full of life. We love having him in our home, but there's a lot of stories around him. So, so they're in a coaching conversation, and normally, Angela is great at keeping together, keeping it together in these moments, at staying focused, at staying connected, and working through. But in this in this scenario, she could not help but laugh, because she's in the middle of coaching him and basically explains Augustine, if you choose to continue not listening, you're gonna lose X in your life. You're gonna lose Easter candy, whatever it is. Hey, there's going to be a consequence. We're going to have to throw this away. Augie didn't even bat an eye. He says, well, if you throw those away, I'm throwing away three pairs of your underwears immediately. So apparently in his mind, that's the most valuable and precious object that my wife has is those undergarments. So, you know, you never know what your most precious possession is until your little one tells you what it is. So that's kind of how that works in our home. but how do we do this? So how do we walk without offense? How do we live in such a way that, that really lines up with what we watch Joseph live out? And because I think we all now see the danger. I think we all see, hey, this is, this is a risk for us. Um, so let's, let's work through a couple different things that I think are going to help you. First, I think it would help you to take a relationship audit. So ask yourself these simple questions. The first one is this. Is there anyone in my life that I'm unwilling to pray God's best for? So when you think of someone, someone that you're connected to, someone that, that you have a relationship with, is there, is there any of those people, are there any of those people who you're not able to pray God's best for that that it's hard for you to see them succeed or hard to see them that prosper or be blessed in some area? Um, if, if you can't pray God's blessed for someone, that's a great indicator, a great litmus test that that's a place that you need to dig in with the Lord and work through some forgiveness. Which brings us to the second tool, and that is become a person who chooses forgiveness. Because when you consistently forgive and release people from the, from the chances that they have to offend you, it allows your heart to stay clean. It allows you to continue to walk in victory and to continue to walk in obedience and not get pulled around by the offense that the enemy's trying to throw at you. In fact, a little over a year ago when Pastor Larry was here, he talked about something I would never even heard of. And that was the principle of in the morning, pre-praying for, the people who would offend you. Literally forgiving people in advance of the things that would come across their path that day, uh, of people who would, who would do something or say something that would hurt you. It's literally preparing your heart because we're all gonna be offended. We're all gonna have things that that push our buttons. And so I would encourage you, if, if you haven't begun to do that, find in the morning a few minutes to pray and to ask the Lord to, to forgive and to, for you to choose to forgive people who will offend you that day. And then this is the third, and and, and this is to make a consistent rhythm of asking the people in your life who know you to give you honest feedback about any area in your life that they see, that they have concerns about, and then pay attention to how your heart responds when they actually give you constructive feedback. So about a year and a half ago, I felt like this was something the Lord put on my heart to do, and and to be honest, I was very intimidated by it. it. It felt exposing, it felt vulnerable, um, because I was literally giving permission for people to, to show areas or to, to share about areas in my life that needed to be challenged or needed to be upgraded. But I'm telling you, this process has been so good. There are literally people in my life who have, who have helped me see significant areas of weakness, blind spots, things that I needed to, to see changed in my life. For example, one of, my, one of my friends let me know, hey, when you go through hard things, you don't tend to let people in. You try to muscle through it on your own. I had a friend tell me, hey, you're doing too many things and it's not, and it's causing you to move in a way through life where you're not connecting with people. You're not adding value to the relationships in your life. And another person challenged me on the way that I pursue my wife to make sure that, that she's always a priority, no matter what else is going on, that I'm pursuing my wife well. And so these were things I needed to hear, but in those moments, those t- the reason this is a tool to protect against offense is it's a test for your heart to see, how am, I, how am I going to respond when someone gives me feedback in an area that I need to grow in? And these tools are helpful. I would make sure you begin to try them, but to be honest, they actually won't protect you against what I believe the most dangerous temptation is in this area of offense, and that that is this. Our greatest danger is, is honestly being offended by God. And that's where we need to, to come into the story of John the Baptist a little bit because Jesus held John the Baptist up as, as kind of a standard in some ways. In Matthew eleven eleven, he says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there is not, not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So obviously if, if John the Baptist was tempted with something, then we're not exempt from it. It's something that we should pay attention to. So we pick up the story earlier in Matthew 11 when Jesus is teaching the crowds um, and the disciples of John the Baptist show up on the scene. So this is verses two through six. It says this, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, The lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I'll read that last part again. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So the challenge of this moment is very real. John the Baptist likely feels that he has done everything and more that that Jesus has asked of him. He has surrendered his life, his complete calling to the Lord. He has boldly proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah. He gave up his comfort. He gave up his pleasure, and now here he is in prison. He's literally asking the question, if if Jesus is the Messiah, then why doesn't my life look different? Why why don't my circumstances change? But the truth of the matter is this, that that when we choose to surrender our lives to Christ, that that our, our lives are no longer about our comfort. They're no longer about our story. Our lives and our journey biblically no longer exist for the things that we want to accomplish or do. We are now fully surrendered to the kingdom calling that God has put on our lives. And so John the Baptist has to wrestle with this reality that what Jesus accomplished on the cross or was going to accomplish on the cross was worth his life, was worth what he was willing to give up for him. So that if God was going to get more glory from John staying in prison and eventually being beheaded, was he still okay with that? was he still gonna stay fully submitted and surrendered to Jesus even though life wasn't easy and his plan, his story didn't go as planned. The fact is we each have to wrestle with this question that what, that what Jesus accomplished on the cross, it, it isn't just about forgiveness, it isn't just about making our lives better. It was about redeeming us, it was about forgiving us and setting us free to be back in right relationship with God. But the truth is that happens so that we can be fully surrendered to him and we can walk out our lives for His glory, for His name, and for His purposes. And so this morning, there there may be some of you who who have had a revelation, a realization that A, you're walking in offense, that there's areas of your life that that has been a major issue. If that's the case, your first step is really simple. It's to lay that offense, identify it, and lay that offense down at the foot of the cross, to bring it to Jesus and ask Him to help you have the strength to forgive, to release, and to walk in freedom from that area. He wants to meet you in that moment. And for others of you, you may realize that that the reason that you're walking in offense is actually because you've never surrendered your life to Christ. That ultimately you're still on the throne of your life, you're still calling the shots. And so I believe for some of you today, there's an invitation. There's an invitation for you for the first time to go all in for Jesus to say, my life is no longer about me, that I desperately need a savior that ultimately each one of us has broken God's law hundreds of times and we would stand before God guilty. We would stand before him in need of a rescue. And so I believe for some of you today is your day to make that decision to say, Lord, I'm ready. Whatever that means, I'm gonna surrender my life. I'm gonna be all in. Um, Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me if that's you? Jesus, we need you. We acknowledge that, that our lives on our own ultimately mean nothing apart from what you accomplished on the cross and so today we repent of our sin. We ask for your forgiveness and we ask that that you would come and fill us up and empower us to live a life that brings honor and glory to your name. We're thankful for you, we're thankful for what you accomplished on the cross. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you for spending the time this morning. I pray a blessing over each one of you and I, and I pray that this is an area that you begin to walk in victory like you never have before. Have a great day.
2: promise you're buried
0: Thank you, Aaron, so much for that word, teaching us how to handle offense more like Christ would. I know that we're all gonna be better off uh, as we go through our week now. And look, I I just wanna speak to those maybe today who made a decision to follow Christ for the first time, or perhaps you rededicated your life to him as well. There's a really easy way for you to take your next step. And to do that, all you gotta do is just text the word next to 88,000, and a link will be sent to your phone where you can just fill out some really basic information so that we can pastor you better and reach out to you and get you plugged in for what is next because we do believe a lot of life-giving opportunities are coming your way. And so uh, text next to 88,000. Uh, also, every single week, we take an opportunity just to honor God with our giving and also to say thank you for the way that you give generously. We're so thankful for our members who you know allow us to be able to reach a lot of needs across the state of Arkansas. And so I want to read you guys one verse found in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40 and 41. And it says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And what Jesus is saying here is that when we give, when we help out others, when we make a difference, uh, we're also doing that for the Father, and it makes him happy. Our generosity makes the Lord happy happy and so some ways that you can continue to give here at the church or give for the first time we're going to be right here on the side you can text to give you can go to our website and set up recurring giving or also do it through our app as well so again thank you for the way that you give before we go here today i just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you guys and i'm going to do that by praying a similar prayer to what my mom and dad prayed over us as kids growing up so here we go let's pray together dear heavenly father lord i'm just so thankful for your presence guiding us like we said earlier And that, Lord, I know that you have been here with us, that, Lord, you're teaching us, you're equipping us. God, I pray that this week, each individual, Lord, listening in, God, would grow in stature and in favor with God, with you first, Lord, that we would, Lord, pursue you deeper than we ever have before. And that, God, we would also grow, like it says in your word, in stature and favor with man as well. That, Lord, you would give us uh, the right decisions to make, that, Lord, you would continue to bless us, that, Lord, you would keep us away from harm, away from temptation, and that, Lord, we would follow in on you, God. We pray for your Holy Spirit wisdom each day of the week. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, hey, next week we're gonna be hearing from Pastor Tanner Cangelosi from our Hot Springs campus. And so you're gonna wanna view in. It's gonna be a great word as we're gonna continue to be equipped throughout this series. So tune back in. We'll see you next time.